frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Film church. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. I don't know what happened to Antonio Bay tonight. Something came out of the fog and tried to destroy us. In one moment, it vanished. But if this has been anything but a nightmare, and if we don't wake up to find ourselves safe in our beds, it could come again. To the ships at sea who can hear my voice, look across the water, look into the darkness, look for the fog. Hello, and welcome to Film Church Radio. Recording live this week from the KAB Lighthouse on Spivey Point, where we are continuing in our Darnish Horror Month. This is the podcast that treats cinema as a religion. It's Sunday, so I'm Lewis. And I'm Brandon. And we are here to talk about movies. Each week, Brandon and I alternate picking a film for us both to watch and discuss. Today, I picked the film The Fog. 1980, directed by John Carpenter, written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, starring Hal Holbrook, Adrienne Barbu, Jamie Lee Curtis, Janet Lee, and John Houseman. Um, this is a film um, that I've been meaning to watch for a while. It follows um, John Carpenter's seminal Halloween from 1978, and the success of that film bleeds into this one pretty well, I think. It's a film that has always fascinated me. And it has one of the most truly iconic film posters of all time. Um, If you've seen it, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, it's uh, Jamie Lee Curtis holding a door while a decomposing hand grabs for her out of the fog. It's something that's always stuck with me. And every time I've seen it, it just screams 80s horror, which I absolutely love. Um, I've always been intrigued by this film and found found this a perfect excuse to pick it for Film Church Radio. I had no idea at the time just how much this film has in common with last week's creep show um, that was made two years later um, but I'm sure that Brandon and I will get to that um, if you are a regular listener of the show you know that Brandon will be picking the film for us to watch next week and he will reveal which film we'll be watching at the end of the show um, we would like to thank everyone who has been listening to the podcast and sending their love for the show um, we love and the fact that people are listening, it just it makes this worthwhile. So thank you so much. If you're new to the show and enjoying it, um, be sure to subscribe and hit the bell to be notified when a new episode is available. This is a film church, so we post episodes on Sundays. And if you really enjoyed this show, please share it with your friends. Get as many people as possible to listen along with us and watch along with us. Um, it's a community. That's what we're trying to build here. Um, you can find us on social media platforms at Film Church Radio, where you can leave us a comment or send a message about the show. And um, we also post extra content on YouTube and other social media um, places. So if you want to see our beautiful faces as we talk about films, that is the place to go. Um, and lastly, in this little area, we'd like you to rate and review the show if possible, whatever podcast pl- platform you're streaming from. It helps other people find us um, and join the congregation. We would much appreciate it. Um, every week before we get into the main feature, Brandon and I talk about the other films that we've been watching. You can think of it more as trailers than the main feature. Just a snippet of what we've been watching and what we think. Um, so, Brandon, what have you been watching this week? A few different things, Lewis. 
Uh, nice. I like I like putting this section as like trailers. That's a really mm. really great uh, way to look at it. Yeah. Um. So I watched a recent film from Netflix, Do Revenge. Um. I'm sure most everybody has seen the little preview pop up on Netflix, even if you haven't watched it. Um. It's always interesting the way that they they barely even market movies you know you'll yeah. see you'll yeah. see it pop up and go hard for like a couple of days and then it'll just if you don't watch it it just disappears and you forget about it or if you don't put it in your watch list um but what intrigued me about this movie mainly was Maya Hawk um and my my list is short this week but um I have been out of town and like visiting family and stuff. So most of the choices actually weren't really my choices. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, it was like something to put on with family and, um, you know, I didn't really get a chance to like watch my own stuff, you know, yeah. but I was interested in this film. Um, like I said, it has Maya Hawk in it, uh, Ethan Hawk and, um, Uma Thurman's daughter, um, also known for Stranger Things, and the I didn't end end up actually rating this film on my letterbox because I I left for part of the movie. I got a phone call and was gone for about twenty minutes, but I didn't want to you know be like pause the movie for me, yeah, you know. So I I missed part of it. Um, but it, it's a it's a pretty decent film. It's it's like a it's a very um, Gen Z movie. That's mm. the that's the latest generation, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I <laughs> always so. get the generations confused: <laughs> yeah. Gen X or Gen Z, or you know, I, yeah. I think Gen Z is the latest one. Mm. So it's a very you know like TikTok culture mm. kind of movie. Uh, but the the interesting thing about the the story is it's kind of they kind of take a little bit from uh, Strangers on a Train. Nice. So the other lead in the film is um, Camila Mendez of Riverdale fame. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's these two ladies and they both have uh, people they want to get revenge on. And they basically decide to like trade revenges yeah (laughs) (laughs) um kind of like strangers on a train where they trade murders um so yeah i mean it's good it's it's a fun you know modern it's not really it feels like a high school movie but it's like a college i guess they're in college Mm. i guess yeah anyway like i said i miss about 20 minutes of the movie so i mean don't don't take my complete word for it but um I mean, all the performances are great. It also has Austin Abrams, who I think is in uh, Euphoria, which I haven't watched. Yeah. Um, I've watched Euphoria, and it is great. Yeah. Um, so he's in it, too. You know, a lot of a lot of these, like, newer, younger celebrity people. Yeah. Um, the so next yeah. batch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did think for a minute that you were going to be picking that next um, to let listeners in behind the curtain. When Brennan and I watch a film that we, we're going to do for the show, we don't rate it 
because yeah. we have the little game at the end. So when I saw that pop up, I was like, is that going to be next? Have yeah. You just skipped. You just couldn't wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, I didn't rate it just because I, I, I didn't feel like I could give it a proper take because I, yeah. like I said, I missed 20 minutes of it and, you know, yeah, just, I yeah. wasn't, you know, completely in it, I guess. Um, but, you know, it, I did enjoy it for the most part. Awesome. Um, and then I also rewatched Belfast um, from last year, I guess. But it also, I mean, it won a, a how many Oscars did it win? Just one? Oh, off the top of my head. Uh, uh, it won Best Original Screenplay, I guess. Yeah. Um, Kenneth Branagh uh, wrote and directed. Um, yeah, we, we rewatched it because... Um, my girlfriend's mother hadn't seen it and, you know, figured it was a, a good film. She's very particular with, you know, the kinds of films she watches. And it was, yeah. it was one we both knew like that she would probably enjoy. So, yeah. so we watched it and, um, yeah, great, great as ever. I mean, I guess this is probably the second time I've watched it this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, I mean, the black and white cinematography in the movie is just unbeatable. You know, it looks no, beautiful. Glorious. It's yeah. shot beautifully. And then I love the little like bits of color that they splash in there when they're like at the theater or at the, yeah the cinema. Um, it's a fun little trick. Um, yeah. And it's just like a little slice of a story, you know, mm-hmm. it's not really, uh, it's not heavy, like, plotty i guess yeah i mean heavy subject matter but not not like you know it's it's just like this little important time in this kid's life you know and it doesn't mm-hmm. have it doesn't have like this big climax or whatever it's just kind of like almost like uh what someone would remember their childhood being like or something yeah. you know just as like i would imagine you know the kid just grew up after that you know yeah um Beautiful film. Um, and then I also watched, again, looking for something to just kind of put on that <laughs> wasn't like rated R or, you know, that yeah. multiple people could watch. Uh, we put on this, um, I guess it, it was also a Netflix, it's a Netflix documentary short uh, called What Would Sophia Loren Do? Mm. Um, and I, I guess we picked it because the trailer looked interesting. And, uh, I had no idea who Sophia Loren was, but she, you know, after watching the documentary, of course, learned that she's like a a famous Italian-American, or not Italian-American, but Italian actress. And, you know, was in a lot of big Italian movies. Um, but then the, the documentary parallels the story of an Italian-American woman who was like obsessed with her and idolized her. Um wow. And it's it's really good. Like I imagine yeah. that it was probably uh, like a big festival documentary thing yeah. that that got a lot of buzz, and then Netflix bought it at a festival or something. That's kind of the mm. the sense that I got. But it, um, yeah, I mean, as a cinema lover, it was a nice little like uh, 
peek into this actress and cinema history a little yeah. bit and her career and stuff like that. And then also no, just cool. Italian culture and the values that this other woman has and, yeah. you know, yeah, just the, the culture of, of Italian Americans and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was good. Good stuff. All, awesome. all modern picks from me lately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but how about you? Um, I've gone full tilt Halloween month. So yes. all of these films that I've been watching have been um, horror films that um, either I love or we've been wanting to revisit. Um, or very similar to you with Do Revenge, um, the first film um, is going to be I Came By, which is um 2022 Netflix original. Um, and I'd heard the lead actor talking on a podcast about it and he was saying that there's like lots of twists and turns and it's very Hitchcockian um, which instantly you know I pricked up my ears I wanted to kind of seek this out yeah and my parents were in town and they had heard about it as well um, but very similar to you it was kind of buried deep in Netflix you know it took us because I was just kind of scrolling through the main menu looking for it um, to say it just come out and it's like buried you know deep deep in the vaults already yeah so and it's crazy and it's came out this year yeah and the cast as well is pretty recognizable i mean it's got george mckay who was one of the soldiers in 1917 um kelly mcdonald who was in train spot in gosford park um a lot of like british productions and hugh bonneville who was who's obviously in downton abbey he's the lord grantham and then the the dad in paddington you know so pretty recognizable people yeah um but it was just kind of buried deep down. And it it, w- it was an interesting premise. Um, there was a few moments in there that I kind of gasped. You know, it's kind of pretty shocking at certain points. Um, but then on the flip side, there was also moments that were, I think, unintentionally funny. Mm. You know, that kind of took you out of it a little bit. Yeah. Um, the supporting cast was a little weak. It kind of centered on one of these characters. And I didn't think that he was probably the right person to be. Mm like a main character, yeah. you know. You were like unworthy. Few, yeah, I feel like a few roles should have been reversed or a few casting decisions should have been a little bit different. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those films that when you're watching it, you just get that sense of, okay, this was filmed during COVID. You know, there mm. was the main cast and then very sparse use of anybody else. It was yeah. all kind of in rooms or there was one scene that was in like a cafe and there was two characters and they were literally the only people in this cafe. Hmm. Like even yeah. outside, there was no like sign of anyone walking or cars or anything. And it wasn't like the film was set around COVID. You know, there weren't people wearing masks and kind of stuff like that. So it's kind of, it just hits home where the film industry have been the last few years yeah. in terms of making these films, you know, obviously as safely as possible for everybody. Um, yeah. But I think this is the film that people are like, this is what we're doing. Netflix have given us so and so amount of money. We're not going to even hide it. Mm, yeah. So, you know, and it's perfectly fine if you want like a thriller. You know, Sunday afternoon thriller. This is a a good one to watch, but um, not one that I'm going to seek out and rewatch. Um, yeah. Unlike the next film that I watched, which was Carrie from 1976. Yes. Um, Brian De Palma's Stephen King adaptation. Um, this film has such an effect on me. It's it's to the point where I can't think it like even like, I can't eat think about eat, eating while watching it. Yeah, just because it's so 
like the, the just the casual abuse of carry just really destroys me yeah it just really kind of i don't know it, it's it's such an it, upsetting film it's a very disturbing <clears throat> yeah like i mean there's just there's like a scene where she's like eating dinner at the table with her mom and telling her about prom and her mom just like chucks a glass of water in her face and she just like blinks and carries on talking as if she's just used to it yeah and it's it just every time i'm just like oh my god yeah you know it just absolutely blackballs me it's crazy yeah um sissy spacek is phenomenal oh yeah yeah man she's yeah she's incredible and it's that is that moment where she just loses it and like she tilts her head down and her eyes are wide it's terrifying absolutely terrifying um and i'm not sure if this is just because it's another stephen king film but it reminded me a lot of uh wendy from the shining She's just mm. such, you know, where especially the scene where she's like limply swinging the axe and being like, stop, stop. You know, she's just so out of place in this world. You know, she just wouldn't be able to protect herself very well. Yeah. And that's the same vibe you get from um, Carrie is just so frail yeah. until, until she's not and she starts killing everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Spoilers. obviously. <laughs> and because we've watched a lot of De Palma, you know, we've watched um, it for the podcast this this year, I think, and I've kind of hit a few, and we both watched Blowout as well separately. Yeah. Um, you start to see those De Palma hallmarks, you know, the split diopters are, are there from the start. <clears throat> the school's called Bates High, which we don't need uh <laughs> psychologist to tell you what that's about yeah. and the psycho theme pops up as well in certain oh sense. yeah that's right yeah 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 um which is crazy how is uh i mean we were just talking about sissy spacek um earlier this year yeah. we also did a, a podcast on badlands yeah in retrospective you know what i i, I kind of remember from what I remember of, of recording that episode, um, I feel like you maybe had said that Sissy Spacek wasn't that great in Badlands. I can't remember. Maybe maybe yeah. I'm thinking wrong. Yeah, I don't think I was overwhelmed by a performance, but I, it, I feel like this is such a singular thing. You yeah. Know, I, it's hard to put up anything against this performance. Oh, you yeah, know. yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think, I didn't think in Badlands she was... She was anywhere near as good as she is in this, unfortunately. But she didn't have, if I remember, she didn't have that much to do in Badlands. It was just yeah. kind of follow around the guy, you know, yeah. and, be, and be the girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Very but, true. Yeah. It, it, it did take me a minute to remember that it was the same person. You know, this feels yeah. so different. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's super... Uh, creepy yeah yeah and you it's know. i mean it's just a it's just a great film yeah it's one of the best i would say stephen king adaptations out there yeah um yeah and De Palma's good very good <laughs> he's good <laughs> he's good um and then last i finally watched midsummer it's um, oh yeah yeah it's taken me a long time to get around to midsummer mm-hmm. um what three years since it came out? I think so. Yeah. Um, directed by Ari Aster, his follow-up to Hereditary. Yeah. Um, 
And I, I, I do feel, I do prefer Hereditary. I don't, I don't know whether mm. this is just the hype around it just didn't live up to like mm. enough for me. You know, I know yeah. a lot of people are like, it's the best horror film that I've ever made. And, you know, it's one of the best films ever made. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I didn't get that at all. I feel like the horror elements had been substituted for like the aesthetic. Um, mm. And it does well building this secluded, unescapable hell that they're in. Yeah. But on the flip side, it's kind of like there wasn't enough in there to kind of keep me gripped the whole way through. Yeah. You know, once they're in it, you're like, okay, you know, this is going to go one way and that's them being trapped and like picked off. Yeah. Um, which does happen kind of in a different way, but still. Um, yeah. From what I can remember, it, you know, it, it's a little slow, but yeah. I, I mean, I did see it in cinema you yeah, know, in, in a theater, and I I feel like it probably works better in that setting. Whereas, like, uh, I could easily see watching this at home, feeling like, okay, come on, let's just what, where is it going? Yeah. You know? Yeah. But and um, and it wasn't that it was, it it didn't ever feel like it was dragging necessarily. There's it, just there were certain elements that that I felt had been built up a lot. You know, yeah. there was like the scene where um, they're at the cliff. It, it seemed to go on forever. And I was like, I know mm. what's going to happen here. As soon as they got to the top, I was like, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. But it took another like 10, 15 minutes for it to actually happen. Yeah. Um, and I get it, you know, after you've made a success like Hereditary, like indulge. Do it. I feel like uh, the that film has one of the most disturbing openings Oh yeah, that I've ever seen immediately just sets the tone for the entire film, yeah. and you're just like, "Oh God!" I <laughs> know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very upsetting. Um, and I think that that was the part that not that I liked the most that I think worked the best is how I'm gonna phrase it is the the themes of like abusive relationships and trauma. Mm. Um, yeah. When it was leaning full tilt into that, I was like, "This is really good." When it lent into the Folkish horror. I was like, it's not doing it for me, you know. Um, I don't think it was the mass masterpiece it's been touted as. I feel like Hereditary, Hereditary does a better job of mixing the horror with the aesthetic of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm excited to see what he does next. You know, maybe yeah. a, a, a little bit away from a horror film. See what what else you know he's got in his his bag of tricks because visually it's stunning. Yeah, you know, he's got a really good eye for visuals. Um, and Florence Pugh and Will Pounter are just phenomenal in everything yeah. they do. Um, two of the next big things, I think. Yeah. Which is great. Um, but yeah, so ticking off some horror films this week. Yeah, man. Nice. Done done. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course, the only other film that we've been watching has been The Fog from 1980. Um, the... The tagline for the film is lock your doors, bolt your windows. There's something in the fog. And the letterbox summary, strange things begin to occur as a tiny California coastal town prepares to celebrate its centenary. Inanimate objects spring eerily to life. Reverend Malone stumbles upon a dark secret about the town's founding. Radio announcer Stevie witnesses a mystical fire and hitchhiker Elizabeth discovers the mutated corpse of a fisherman. Then a mysterious, iridescent fog descends upon the village and more people start to die. Strange so that... <laughs> things. 
<laughs> so that is the letterbox summary for the fog. Um, I'm right in believing, right, Brandon, that this is the first time that you had seen the film. Yes. Like I. Yes. Um, was it a film that you were aware of going into this? Was it something that you kind of had seen before and thought, hmm, I'm going to add that to my list? Or was this like I don't a, think a bolt so. of the blue? I think, yeah, I think this just came out of nowhere for me. I mean, I probably, I don't know if I even have ever seen the poster. I mean, I'm sure at some point I've taken a look at uh, John Car- Carpenter's entire filmography. Um hmm. I I can't remember the first Carpenter film that I saw. It was either The Thing or Escape from New York. Um, but I I'm pretty sure the the way that I learned about Carp- Carpenter was through Robert Rodriguez, who was uh probably the first director that I fell in love with and like obsessed over and like tried to watch everything that he made and stuff and yeah and a lot of his like uh writings like he's got a book and stuff and and in a lot of his interviews he talks about uh john carpenter being a big influence on him and uh escape from new york especially so escape from new york might have been the first thing of his that i've seen but also a parallel between those two guys is they both make their own music for their films they write and Mm. direct and score which i feel like is a very rare thing yeah (laughs) for a director to do um so uh yeah i mean and then other than those two films i think the only other thing of carpenters that i've seen is probably halloween Mm -hmm. just the first one um i haven't seen any other halloween films but um yeah so i was i was going into it not knowing much of what to expect but very like you said earlier, it, weirdly, a lot of the same characters that were yeah. in Creep Show that we watched last week uh, are a lot of the same actors, anyway. Um, and uh, and then on top of that, you've got Jamie Lee Curtis and Janet Lee mm-hmm. together, which yeah. I've never seen before. Uh, Me neither. Yeah. So a lot of promising things going into it. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> that sounds <laughs> ominous. I can see the fog rolling in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say that this film didn't really do it for me. I I did watch it twice. Yeah. Um, after watching it the first time, my main question was, "What was that about?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, do you have any idea what it's about now? I mean, like after watching the it second times. time, I'm like, okay, I, I kind of, I get, I get more of the plot, I guess. Yeah. But also <laughs> it still just leaves me with a lot of questions and ultimately feeling a little let down, mm. you know, um, yeah. which I know a lot of people love this movie. So I apologize to those who, who love the film if I'm gonna rip it apart for you (laughs) but you know i mean it it just it didn't uh i don't know it just felt a little cheap you know it Mm. it felt a little i mean mainly um and i don't mean as far as budget like the film looks great it is acted well i think it just the story and the execution just falls apart for me Mm -hmm. um like i don't 
I don't know who to root for exactly. I don't know which characters I'm supposed to attach to. I don't know who is the lead of this film. Yeah. And I think that for me is the main problem is I don't know who the lead is. I don't yeah. I don't know it, it just jumps around to all this all these characters, which are great characters, but I think if we just had one person that we could follow and and that had some real connection to this plot, yeah. it would maybe work a little bit better for me. I mean, the only but uh, the only person that really ha- has a a big connection to the plot is the Hal Hallbrook character, which ironically is my favorite character just because he's such a Mine too. A weird like yeah. person. Like, I mean, he looks like Edgar Allan Poe and then he's just like drinking all the time. Yeah. And he's just bizarre in the whole movie. Um, yeah. He has like a weird jump scare scene scene where he just like pops out of the shadows. Which I think was unintended. Well, I, I don't think that was scripted. I think that Janet Lee is Janet Lee's reaction is real. Cause I uh, think she, there's yeah. a behind the scenes thing I watched and she was like, yeah, he was just making me jump the whole time. I was so on edge the whole film in that every time he would pop out, it would make me jump. And like <laughs> when you rewatch it, it does look, she, she even apologized. She's like, Oh my God, I'm sorry. But as if it would have ruined the take, you Yeah, know? but they kind of stick with it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It's, <laughs> but it's so, it almost feels like those moments, I I I appreciate a good jump scare, but yeah. it's got to be a little. the tech The technique was all wrong in all yeah. of the jump scares in this movie. I feel like they were just they had they were just cheaply thrown in, you know. Without do any... you think it was going for jump scares? Do you think that was like the end goal, or do you think it was more like well, aesthetic? Or the I it's it's hard to say exactly. I I think what the reasons that the film falls apart for me, I think make a lot more sense after reading some of the behind the scenes stuff, mainly that the film was intended to be PG Mm. and that after they had like, after the film was done and they had a screening, um, they decided to go back and add some scenes and shoot some extra stuff. Um, and, and then the film got an R rating anyway, because there's like no blood in the movie. No. And <clears throat> so I think I think that's part of the problem is they went in with the intent. They went in making a different movie than what came out mm. and and then tried to kind of like put a bandaid over it. Almost. Yeah. Um, and so it just it it's just got these weird. Not even really holes, it just it's just not a fully formed mm. film for me. You know, it's almost like yeah. it just, it's, it's not, um, it's more of an idea and not a com- complete thought. Yeah. If that makes sense. It, it's yeah. almost, uh, you know, there might be people, I, I know there are people who have loved this movie. So, you know, <laughs> you might hate me for saying, <laughs> for saying this in particularly, but it, it almost, reminded me of um the uh m night Shyamalan movie the really really bad one i can't remember what it's called about <laughs> the plants but sense. <laughs> uh what what the one that he did, the happening oh yeah it kind of yeah. reminded me as far as like cuz i came out of that film being like he didn't finish writing the movie before they shot it yeah 
is what it felt like. And that's kind of yeah. what this feels like. It, they, they, yeah, and I know that it, with this, they did finish writing it, but it still doesn't feel complete. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to like this movie. You yeah. Know? I want to like yeah. it more than I do. Um, so it sucks. Yeah. I'm it sucks sorry. that I don't like it. The movie doesn't suck necessarily. I mean, it's not, no. it's not a complete failure. You know, yeah. there, there are parts about it that I do like, like I said, um, and I, I pretty much like all the characters, but I, I don't know. I, you never really get into them. You know, mm. you never really learn enough about any one of these people to yeah. really, um, care about them or know anything about their what kind of people they are their backstory anything like that you know what i mean i know yeah um because i i really expected a lot more from the jamie lee curtis character like i thought she was gonna be the lead kind of you know and she does have like that she's got a great opening scene when she gets picked up and to where like she's got this very She's just very mysterious, you know, especially like when um, the guy is like, oh, I thought you had never hitchhiked before. Uh, it and she's like, oh, well, not before last week. It don't, it, you know, it's like, oh, she was lying or, you know, it yeah. adds like this layer of who is this person? Where did she come from? You know, if she had ended up yeah. being part of the the whole mystery of the story somehow having some deeper connection Mm. to the thing where she was like a villain almost Mm. that would have been great you know like a great twist at the end or something you know i don't know Mm. i just wanted more yeah (laughs) Yeah. it just ended weirdly and i don't know well i'm here to defend it (laughs) 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 um just like father malone I'm, (laughs) i'm gonna go down with the ship so to speak um so, uh, I mean, I did like it. Yeah. Um, I, I think that um, it worked for what it was in my eyes. And that might have something to do with an English tradition um, that I'm very used to, which is that there's like on Christmas Eve, normally around 11 or midnight, um, they show ghost stories on the BBC. Mm. Um, yeah. And it's a typical English thing of putting a downer on anything enjoyable. Um, but they like there's a t- you know they do probably 30 45 minutes of like a ghost story on christmas eve yeah and it's very kind of spooky and atmospheric and um there's one called i think the signalman which i haven't watched for many years but there's certain images in that that just freak me out um and this reminded me of that the kind of the starting off with the which i know was added later but the the old man kind of telling the story it had this like fictional kind of mystical element to it already you know is it real did it actually happen we don't know you know it's kind of left up to us to to figure that out um and i think that the the ghost story element did work for me i think that too much i like that it was a bit ambiguous that it wasn't quite as uh tied together you know um Especially when you look at like the Halloween series and what they tried to do later, which I know has been redconned a bit with having uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character somehow related to Michael Myers and, you know, just trying to pull everything together. 
Um, and I think that's what they do really well with her character is, you know, if you're familiar with John Carpenter and Jamie Lee Curtis, you're familiar with Halloween, where mm-hmm. she plays a virginal babysitter that's very, you know, prim and proper. And the first time we meet her, she's like hitchhiking, she's flirting with like a guy and then she ends up in bed with him and it's like, okay, this is not the same character that she's in there. She's probably like the total opposite, which told me a lot that I needed to know about her, yeah. you know? Um but there's, I think there's a lot in here that is good. Yeah. And I, and I think that what you were saying about that this, they made a film and then the studio were like, we need to add more, you know, horror elements and stuff like that. I think even though here at Film Church we're supposed to tout the director as being the all-seeing eye pretty much, I think that worked better. I think the added elements really helped this, you know, develop and become more you know because the fish yeah. the scene at the beginning with the old man telling the kids the story was added the whole scene on the ship where we first see the fog rolling in was added you know all these elements were added in and yeah. i think it kind of books it out and makes it makes it a lot better yeah um in my eyes anyway <laughs> yeah um yeah i think maybe i'm just taking the film too seriously Maybe mm. like based mm. off what what you're saying, uh, um, I did read that uh, another interesting parallel to um, Creepshow of last week that John Carpenter said that he was doing a homage to the EC comics and their yeah. bizarre ghost stories. Um, yeah, so another parallel to to last week, you know, yeah. Creepshow was also based off EC comics and. And obviously, creep show is not meant to be taken too seriously, you no. know. Yeah. And I think I'm trying to 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 bring logic into all of this, um, because like with the, you know, my thought with the old man telling the story at the beginning is like, where did he go? <laughs> yeah. He's not in the rest yeah. of the movie, uh, you know. If he knows this whole story, why wasn't he? Is why is he not warning people? Um, and maybe another hint to, uh, not n- that you're not supposed to take the movie too seriously is that it starts off on 420. <laughs> yeah. Cause Does it's it, before midnight. Yeah. It's before midnight. And then he's like, <laughs> it's April 21st now. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. <laughs> I doubt that that was done on purpose. Yeah. I was like, I don't, I, I don't know. Have you seen John Carpenter? He looks like he's, uh, that's true. That's true. Fair. Um, yeah. And and then like, uh, I don't know. And and like the whole scene where like the, the guy, um, Jamie Lee Curtis is in like the hospital, I guess. And the guy like, you know, gets up, which I think they added later to add a little more suspense. Mm -hmm. He gets up and he like walks over to her. I don't know why, like, I don't know why, I don't know who they're after really. Like I, I'm watching it the second time. It's like, um, I got the sense that everyone that they killed was maybe a descendant of the six people that he's talking about. So the the way I read it was that they were just trying to. T- it was like an eye for an eye. They were trying to kill six people. To so it was just the random. Six that had died. Yeah, it was anyone that kind of was in the fog. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So they killed the three on the boat and then the babysitter. I just feel um, I just feel like it like just they could have just done a couple of things like if they had done like if you know the the Hal Holbrook character is a descendant 
and it seems to yeah. be the reason you know he like sacrifices himself or whatever and mm-hmm. it, he's like you're after me you want me like they could have taken these other characters you know that are all also leads and like made them also descendants like made them yeah. targets or whatever yeah um I don't know. And I think I just, I did want it to be like a little more horrific. Like I wanted some blood. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's like, and that's, you know, that's just like personal taste. I like, yeah, you know, especially with horror movies or, or action movies. I want like, uh, I like over the top a little bit. And this was yeah. like under the top. <laughs> I don't know what you would call it. <laughs> under the surface. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, like I like at one point I just I mean, and I was kind of okay with most of it. And so the the end just kind of left me a little bit like, oh, that was all because like I kind of liked seeing the one guy like it did have like one gross shot of like Mm. one of the ghost zombie guys. Yeah. Um, I, I think I just needed like one scene where like they're all just fighting them and like limbs are flying. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also just like a little more connection with the story, you know, a little more, I don't know, I guess the a little more connection with the characters to the story other than yeah. like they just happened to be there. See, I think that's more sinister, you know, because mm-hmm. if, if they were all descendants, you were like, okay, well, if I was there, I'd be fine because I'm not a descendant from any of them. Whereas Jamie Curtis is just passing through. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like she's fighting for her life in a hospital room. You know, it's that kind of like wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. Everything's hitting the fan. But I also um, feel like no one is ever really in danger. Like I was never on the edge of my seat being like, oh, that person's about to die. Be- I think because yeah. literally none of the main characters, like none of the characters that you spend a good amount of time with get killed. Yeah. You know, like if they had taken one person like and they have a lot to choose from. You know, there's a lot of a, a lot of yeah. characters that you do spend a lot of time with. They had picking one of those people and killed them off like halfway in the movie, then you would have been like, "Oh no, Jamie Lee Curtis might be next." You know, you might yeah. feel a little bit of suspension where I never really felt it. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's probably also because I'm I've watched a lot of movies and like I think this movie probably would have worked better for me if I had seen it you know, at age 15 or something like that. You yeah. Know? But like I said, that's kind of like John Carpenter was, the movie he was making was geared towards a younger audience, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, not an adult audience, really. Yeah, it's, I think it's definitely a gateway, you know, mm-hmm. similar to Creepshow last week, kind of, it's a film that, you know, I'd be happy to show, you know, 14, 15 year old kids, you know, not that that would ever come up, but it's the kind of, where it's not te- it's not terrifying in a way, but it's creepy enough to kind of you know leave an impression. Yeah, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I it, it did work for me. You know, yeah. I, I really like the the aesthetic of the of the sailors and the the fishermen and kind of what they look like. Yeah, like swampy, mummified, and and just gross. You know, yeah. with those glowing eyes and stuff. I thought that was yeah. really cool. Um, I I read into it, and I, this is probably way off the mark, but I really read into it as like imperialism and mm. like taking land from other people, you know, especially with it being an American like town that looks a little bit like Maine, and you know, yeah. all these things that um, kind of bleed into each other. Just 
that's how I read into it a little bit. So once that kind of flicked on for me, it was it was a fun ride. It was good to yeah. see, you know, these people rising from the depths to take revenge and you know yeah. take the gold they 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 were sought after and was stolen from them. Yeah. And then poor Father Malone <laughs> gets killed at the end. Yeah. Just no warning. He comes back. He's like, actually, we've only killed five. So, but he—that's what he wanted. Like literally yeah. at the end of the movie, he's like, "Why not me?" Yeah, you know. I think that's mm-hmm. like the last line of the film, right? Yeah. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Um, and uh, and I mean, he gets what he wanted, I guess. Yeah, they come for him. I lo- I love those kind of characters, like yeah. flawed but good at heart. You yeah. Know? Um. Oh, yeah, he was he was the best. Yeah, just drinking film. the whole Point. time, and then like yeah. uh, I love the part when um, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, let's see, is it Tom Atkins? Yeah, when mm. he comes in and he's like he takes the wine bottle from him and he just like yeah. smashes it. <laughs> so give me that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also like the opening scene with Hal Hallbrook. Um, is uh is great with with his assistant who is John Carpenter. Yeah, yeah, a very young John Carpenter. He's still got the same hair. Yeah, which yeah. is crazy. It's just hair mustache. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't realize that was him at first because I've I've all the stuff I've seen of him is like him as an old man. Yeah, you know, on on mm-hmm. the YouTube's. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there, there is a lot of this film to love for me still. I mean, the cinematography yeah. is amazing. Um, and even though I called some of this film cheap, like the look of the film is not cheap, you know, yeah. they, they, like it looks, am- uh, even though they, the film was low budget, like it looks incredible, you know, mm. it's shot in am- anamorphic, um, and I, I like all the performances. Uh, the kid is really great. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and I did like the the ghosts, you know. At first, yeah. like when they first came on, you know, on the ship, which I do like that scene too. You mentioned it earlier that, that the first ship, you know, and mm. the guys are like mm-hmm. drinking and stuff. Like I, that, that whole sequence and scene was great. Um, and I think it showed just enough of the, the ghosts there, but I yeah. I wanted to see. I mean, we do get to see more of them later, but I wanted it's just over too quick. You know, I wanted mm-hmm. more. I wanted to see more of them for longer. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that opening scene with them was great. And at first, I was like, "Is this just Pirates of the Caribbean?" <laughs> 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 just like these pirate ghosts. Yeah. Um. But yeah. I I feel like coming off of Halloween, which is just a straight slasher, um, you know, and it's I know that it kind of set the precedent for a lot of films that were to come, and it maybe hadn't done like films like that weren't as popular as they obviously are now. Um, but for this, I know that John Carpenter wanted to make a more atmospheric film, and the the filmmaker or the producer that comes to mind is Val Luton, um, who made films like Cat People. Um, which I know mm. I tried to lend you once, but it was a region two disc, so you couldn't play it. Yeah. Um and which which he does a very good at like taking these kind of schlocky like titles that was just kind of handed down to him, making them a little bit more um 
I don't know, elevated. I hate to use that term now because elevated horror seems to be everybody's go-to. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like cat people sounds ridiculous. I walked with a zombie, ghost ship, all these ridiculous sounding films that are actually about like human condition and and like um, just more you know psychological stuff. Yeah. Um, and this is what it reminded me of. Mm-hmm. Just those 50s kind of early horror um, and I think for that reason, that's probably why I liked it a lot because you know I love cat people. Like, yeah, I watch it yeah. all the time. So yeah, um, maybe that's why it worked so well is that it just reminded me of those other films, and I could see that the horror elements weren't as scary, but the feel of it was very eerie and creepy, and you know, maybe that's what the whole Edgar Allan Poe quote is all about. Because yeah, um, you know, I was trying to figure out why you know why that quote was in the beginning you know what a dream within a dream yeah um because it didn't it just seemed very out of place for me um yeah but but like you said you know it's maybe more about the the deeper meaning the film within the film yeah it's it sets the tone as soon as you see edgar Allan poe you're like oh it's gonna be spooky you know it's gonna be it's not going to be terrifying, but it's going to definitely have a have a feel to it that's yeah. kind of unsettling, you know, and and stuff like that. And I think you know the 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 way that it gets let down is the budget. You know, you can tell it was shot on a small budget. Apart from the main characters, there's there seems to be nobody else in this town. You know, yeah. we get shots of like empty streets, and I get it. I know that you know that they probably didn't have a super super high budget. Um, but it does feel very isolating. And especially when it ends with Stevie, who we haven't really talked about yet, on top of the lighthouse kind of fending them off. You know, that's it's it's all very singular. It doesn't really take place in many places, you know. Yeah. Um which is also adding to it. I think that a little bit more money, a little bit more running and screaming and you know, maybe a few more deaths would have would have added to it. Yeah. Um but I don't necessarily know if that's what it was going for. Yeah. You know, overall. Yeah. But I, I think that there's there's some really interesting things in here. The only yeah. thing that I am going to say is I love Janet Leigh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she's wonderful. Her character is so unneeded in this film. Yeah. <laughs> she's literally just there so that Father Malone can tell her the story. Yeah. Um. You know, because it would make no sense for like Jamie Lee Curtis's character to go to the church, hear the story, leave again to come back. Uh huh. Yeah. So someone else needs to be there to hear this story, and it happens to be Janet Lee. Yeah. Um, which is a shame because yeah. you see her name and you're like, it's Janet Lee. Yes. And she doesn't have a lot to do. I did like the banter between her and a little, like, assistant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I, I also wanted more between her and and Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean they yeah. they are in a couple of shots together, but they don't yeah. really have any anything to do together. Yeah. You know, no no um no scenes together, no dialogue or whatever. No, you know, it like at least like you could have at least had them in in a shot I don't know. Like maybe this is too cheesy, but like in a shot together, 
where one of the ghosts is like reaching through the window and grabbing both of them and they're, they're both screaming or they're both yeah. at least like fighting back to back in some way. Yeah. You know, just for like, I don't know. I did, like I said, I, I wanted, I, I, I think it, it, I just wanted mainly more from the ending. Like I can forgive most of the stuff if it just kind of tied together or, or just was a little more satisfying. Yeah. At the end. Um, yeah, because I, you know, I, I did watch one interview where, the, uh, it was around the time they they had just finished the film, and Jamie Lee Curtis was talking about, you know, getting to work with her mom and stuff. Mm. Um, and it kind of seemed like she expected to do more with her mom later, like yeah. not not necessarily in this film. Like she was satisfied with this film, but she was like, "Yeah, we're in the film together, but you know, I I kind of want to save like us." having big scenes together for something like more special down the line yeah, or something. Yeah. Um, not that, you know, she, she doesn't let, let off that she doesn't have faith in the film or anything, but um, from what I looked up, like the only other film that they were in together was H2O. Mm. Yeah. Uh, which I've never seen. And I no. don't know if they have any scenes together or what I'm sure if there was going to be a film that's going to do that like not at the audience I will and I would <laughs> guess that it's probably going to be the sixth or seventh in a Halloween franchise mm-hmm. you know the kind that's going to be like we know what you want like this yeah. here it is yeah because um, I think it's that I think I saw the same interview where she was saying that you know she was trying to kind of forge her own career a little bit yeah and didn't really want to be in her shadow which I get yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I think that, you know, you are just as, it's more curiosity, isn't it? It's more to kind of tick it off the list. Just to see them together on screen is kind of like, oh, this is awesome. You know, this is yeah. two different generations together, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, I mean, and like it, I said, like you could, like I get not wanting to to nod to the audience like not not like a huge wink or whatever but if no. they you know like them screaming together would probably been a little much but you know at least them like i don't know chopping off a ghost's arm together or yeah. something you know would have been yeah. cool yeah you know they could have easily been trapped in the same corner <laughs> yeah exactly you know and yeah. then one of them like saves the other one or i don't know yeah something to like give uh give a little more connection to the characters or something or like, mm. you know, yeah. She's like, no, I, I got you, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're both great in the film. Yeah. Know? I think the, the acting on a whole is pretty strong. Yeah. You know, like I said, there's not that many characters, so you can't really have someone that stands out. Um, I, and a lot of the behind the scenes stuff taught to taught about Stevie being like the female lead. Mm-hmm. And I forget that she exists most of the time. I know. You know unfortunately, yeah. she's kind of, she's a bit trapped. She's doing the radio show and kind of stuck in the lighthouse. Um, and apart from the scenes we get with her boy in the house, it's just, it's it's a little, she's left out in the cold, so to yeah. speak. Um, which is a shame. You know, I would have liked to see her kind of save the day a little bit. Um, but also... Not everything 
you know, I quite like the fact that there's these two different storylines, well, three most of the time going on throughout the film, you know, and they don't necessarily need to tie together. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she is a bit underused, I'd say, which is a shame. Yeah. It's just most, it's just guys talking about how attractive her voice is most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that's where John Carpenter was at the time. You know, he was just like, man, she's so hot. I'm just going to. Yeah, I mean, acknowledge that she is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, if if I don't think we've talked about it yet on this episode, have we? That they John Carpenter and Adrian Barbu were married at the time, Mm. and this was uh, her first or their first collaboration as a married couple, or as any kind of a couple. They had worked together before on TV projects, but they they weren't together during those so this was like the first thing they had done yeah. as a couple and he wrote the part for her yeah you know with with her voice and her you know everything in mind you yeah know? um and i mean it, this go ahead. yeah i was just gonna say this way it's, it's like he can have his cake and eat it too he's got you know his girlfriend who um or his wife who he's got you know in one set of scenes and then he's got the person he discovered that already has this rich background in horror films that he can, you know, that you don't really necessarily need to know a lot about her character to understand the type of person she is just from context. On the other hand, you know, she's got he's got those two balances working really well. Yeah. I think that's probably why there isn't a main quote-unquote character in this because he's just trying to please everybody maybe. Yeah. You know, everyone gets the time to shine. I mean, the... um the fella that Jamie Lee Curtis kind of shacks up with, he gets that long speech before she gets attacked in the boat. You know, yeah. everyone gets a little bit of a chance to show what they're about. Yeah. Um, and it's probably, it, it could be too the whole easy comics thing of like. Yeah. I mean, when you put it up against uh, Father's Day, for example, mm-hmm. like, are there that many differences between the two? Yeah. I mean, you other know, than the fact that it's short. <laughs> yeah, because I, I know that John Carpenter said that when they finished it, it was way too short. And the, yeah. the scenes they added in must have told about 20 minutes. Yeah. If not more. So it could have worked as a short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, maybe the lighthouse and the the fog rolling into them, that would have been the short, I don't know, and everything else would have been padded out. But yeah. it de- Yeah, it does have that. It, it did remind me of Father's Day. Yeah. Um, also the Stevie character, I don't know if you read this, but, um, she was based on, she was conceived as a female version of Clint Eastwood's character in Play Misty for me, who was also a late night DJ, uh, on the San Francisco Bay area. Um, and if you haven't heard our episode, I think, I guess that was our second episode, right? Play Misty for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, just another weird little connection there. Yeah. Wow, that's great. I did, I did not read that, but it just made, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. We just needed a room in a house that was dedicated to plants and was weirdly outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the fog was just obsessed with her. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. He's like, why are you talking to these guys on the boat? We're going to go kill them. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh man play this if me was a good film yeah yeah um, <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Um, also, I, I, another little piece of trivia I thought was cool was uh, for like when the fog is leaving, they yeah. had to like reverse the shot. So basically, Adrian Barbu had to like act backwards. Wow. So they could reverse yeah, I, it. I know that the fog and stuff was so hard for them to, to control because obviously it's just smoke. Yeah. So for the scenes where you see it kind of rolling in, not just over the bay, but like over the town, they took a still image of like the town and then cut out the out the exteriors of the buildings and put it in like a box covered with like black bin bags and stuff and then pumped smoke into it mm. and then filmed that. So it was like small. It never actually took place on the streets. Yeah. So when all this, like the billowing clouds of fog is rolling in, it's just miniature. Yeah. Um, That's cool. Which is crazy because the house especially, like when the when Stevie's house is attacked, that looks very, very good. You yeah. Know, and it's kind of like creeping around and everything like that. It looks very... um was very well done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, at this point, you know, it's like kind of the, I mean, the eighties and nineties, I feel like are the, just the height of, uh, of those kind of effects. Cause they've been, yeah. people have been doing them for so long, you know, yeah. all of the effects guys are veterans of, of the old days and they, you know, they're still, yeah. they're at the peak of their talents, you know? Um, yeah. It's the same as we've talked about, you know, on the Badlands episode on the, um, being the episode, there's you know these new directors were coming through late seventies, early eighties, and was taking the the techniques of the past, mm-hmm. but having more freedom in the storytelling. Yeah. So like yeah. this kind of stuff, you know, it, it just looks it it just looks better because it's yeah. a different thing that we haven't seen before, but it's still the same kind of um, techniques that we're used to. Yeah. You know. Um. And I know you've mentioned that you've seen Halloween, um, which of the thing. Mm-hmm. I think the thing does a better job of like that. I mean, obviously, does a better job of the isolation. Yeah, and like you know, being confined in this space. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's like it's a masterpiece as far as that goes. I mean, yeah. as far as a lot of things goes in that film. I mean, the whole film is a masterpiece, I think, but. Um, but yeah, the isolation and the tension, but also all the character stuff is way better. I mean, yeah. like the whole thing I was, I mean, obviously they, it, you know, with that film, it, it, as far as my taste goes, it does go into like the gore and the yeah. bloodiness and like the, you know, just the creepiness of all the, those effects and stuff. But also, like I was saying before, it's the characters die so like you have this level of like this layer of not knowing who's next you know but you do yeah. still have your main character you know what i mean yeah. but you mm-hmm. but there is the tension of like feeling like the main character could die you know yeah. what i mean where i felt that was missing in this because no one all the people that had died you just met yeah yeah and i think that the you know, as we found out with the Sergio Leone series, is that you can see directors would like pull from their previous works and develop it. Yeah. You know, as soon yeah. as he was given a budget that, you know, was a bit more than this and a bit more than Halloween, these themes that he's been running with, yeah. you know, suddenly took a better, he could elaborate on them and take a better shape. And you yeah. can see these ideas snowballing and snowballing and snowballing to, until they reach 
you know, till they reach the point that he's trying to get at. Yeah. You know, it is a bit heavy handed in some areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has whetted my appetite to watch more. You know, They Live yeah. is a film that I've had on my list for a while. So I want to seek that one out um, and watch it pretty soon. I have seen um, Escape from New York mm-hmm. and I own Christine, um, but I've never watched it. So maybe Christine is next. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd, I think that Carpenter is is really good at what he does, you know? Yeah. Um, I've enjoyed I, most of the stuff I've watched, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, there's there's a reason he's yeah. influenced so many people, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, do you have anything else that you want to add about the film, Brandon? I don't think so. Um, I, I did have one question. Yeah. Which you might not know the answer to, or it might just be non-existent. <laughs> uh, back in the scene where the guy comes off the bed in uh, the hospital, and he's like, yeah, walking behind Jamie Lee Curtis, and then uh, he just like falls to the ground, and then the two guys come in there, and he's got like this thing in his hand. I don't know what it. I can't remember what it was, but it looks like a three on the ground. Mm. Was it? a three or was it just a scrape? Because I thought it was like a clue or something. It seemed to have some kind of significance because the shot just like... Isn't that how many people have died so far? Maybe. Is that because there was three fishermen that died Mm. on the boat? Yeah. So So it's all about the numbers. Potentially. I remember remember the scene. I think that's what I thought at the time. Or maybe there's three more. Yeah, yeah. To go. I don't know, but... Yeah. Cool. It is a bit like, there's a three. Okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. <laughs> yeah. JW. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what I took away from it. I'm not sure yeah. if that's correct. It could be, you know, I, any Carpenter. number of things. Yeah. <laughs> is he still around? S- yeah, he's still kicking. There was an interview with him recently. And um, they asked him, they said, you know, do you know what elevator horror is? And he's like, I've heard the term, but I don't know what it means. And they kind of explained it. They were like, oh, it's the kind of films that A24 make that are like kind of they're pleasing to look at, but they still have the horror, horror elements. And he just replied, I don't know what that is. <laughs> he was just like, I don't care. <laughs> what are you so, talking about? Um, and, he, and he said, I think in the same interview, that, he's re- that he really wants to like write the score for a video game, but nobody's approached him about it yet. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he's a good music writer. He is. I mean, the Halloween theme is is incredible. I have it on vinyl. So. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a good guy. Cool. But yeah, that was The Fog from 1980. And now we come to the part of the show where Brandon and I try to guess what the other person rated it on Letterboxd. Um, yes. Normally we're pretty close, but I think this week we may be a few points away <laughs> from each other. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, and it's also interesting because usually um, I feel like you rate things lower, but... I, yeah, you clearly yeah. like the movie more than me this time. <laughs> yeah, but don't let that throw you. Sometimes my rating system is weird. 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to say you rated this movie four and a half. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say you rated this movie two and a half. All right. I rated this movie. (laughs) We need to think of a way to do this. Yeah. I rated this movie three and a half. Okay. I rated it three. Wow. So not that far away. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think it it worked for what it was. I don't, like you said, I don't think that it's um, the best film it could be. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think that's down to who was involved. Yeah, yeah. I think with a bigger budget, this would have um, definitely gone up uh, in my aesthetic and stuff. But, you know, three and a half is still a really good. Maybe on the next watch, it'll bump up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I, did en- I did enjoy it. It's a nice, short ghost story, which yeah. is great. Not a lot in there that's groundbreaking, you know. Yeah. But following Halloween, it's going to be a hard act to follow. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I enjoyed the movie too. It's like you know, yeah. you know, there. I was trying to break it down and figure out you know where it was falling apart for me, but you know, overall, still enjoyable. A lot of, you know, great acting. You know, beautifully shot and you know, uh, aesthetically pleasing film. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, and a great score as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, it worked really well. Um, do you want to tell us what we're going to be watching next week, Brandon? I do. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so the film that I picked, you know, we're still on our Darnish Horror Month for the That's next right. couple of weeks. Um, and I wanted to pick something a little more modern because most of the things we've picked have been 80s and 90s Yeah. so far. Um, so I wanted to pick something more recent that I, that's been on my list. Um, and the film that I picked is from 2020, Bad Hair. Ooh. Uh, this film is, where'd you go? Directed by, just written and directed by Justin Simeon of uh, Dear White People fame, mm. um, which is a film that uh, did really well at Sundance when it came out, and um, he went on to do the series, which I haven't seen the series, but the film is really good. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll talk a little bit more about how I heard about this film and why I chose it next yeah. week. Awesome. Uh, but it is on Hulu if you want to watch it before awesome. we talk about it. And it is unrated, so who knows what's in it. <gasps> wow. Well, we'll find out, and we'll be watching that for next week. Thank you, Brandon. A great pick, I'm sure. Um that does bring us to the end of the show. You can find the show on Let um, Letter. Oh, what am I saying? You can find this show on Twitter and Instagram at Film Church Radio, and you can follow us individually on Letterboxd. Brandon is at Salmon Scope, and I'm at Walker Lewis three zero zero seven. To keep up with what we've been watching, and uh, we also have all of our back episodes, including the ones that we talked about today, Play Misty for Me, the Sergio Leone series, um, streaming on all good podcast platforms. Please. Do leave us a rating and review so we know if you liked the film, if you didn't, and what you would pick for us to watch in the future. Lewis, you're the only person I know who can make Yes Ma'am sound like screw you. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> uh, that's a great quote.
It sure is. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week. Have a good one. Bye. Amen. Amen. Ah, <laughs>